Hello and welcome back to this next episode of the Mindful Dietitian podcast. This episode and the next are in collaboration with the Centre for Mindful Eating to celebrate Mindful Eating Day 2018 with the theme of Compassionate Self-Care is Essential. I'm Fiona Sutherland accredited practicing dietitian and mindful eating practitioner from Melbourne, Australia and host of The Mindful Dietitian. I'm so proud to be bringing you these two interviews. The first with Megrette Fletcher, who is a co-founder of the Centre for Mindful Eating. And the second is Lynn Torstenson, who is an Irish-based nutritionist, also from the Centre for Mindful Eating. It has been my pleasure to be speaking with both Megrette and Lynn. And I hope you can join us for lots of the Mindful Eating Day celebrations, which includes a closed Facebook group, which you can just log into Facebook and look up Mindful Eating Day 2018. And every day from January 1st right through to the end of January, Lynn and I will be posting images and shareables and lots of tips to do with mindful eating practice and getting back in touch with your body and your mind particularly around the theme of compassionate self-care. So we've been so excited to work together, Lynn and I, developing all the Facebook content, and we hope you really enjoy it. In addition to that, the Centre for Mindful Eating will be hosting a series of interviews with mindful eating professionals to really help us develop a sense of self-care, to learn how to recognise heart or emotional hunger, and to find ways to satisfy it without necessarily eating, or maybe it's to reduce frequency and intensity. Most of all, the TCMA really is all about helping us to reconnect with the food and the eating experience from a place of authentic self-care and compassion. So as you will hear, that's very much in alignment with what I believe as well. So in these interviews, uh, some people that will be interviewed are Kristen Neff, Lynn Rossi, Lynn Torstenson, Rona Kabatsnik, Sharon Salzberg, and myself as well. So I was very honoured to be interviewed as part of this series for TCME's Mindful Eating Day. So thank you so much for being here. If you want more information about the Centre for Mindful Eating, you can find it on www.thecenterformindfuleating.org. And there you can sign up for any of the events associated with Mindful Eating Day, join us on the Facebook group, and find out more about the activities of TCME. I've been a member myself for quite a number of years now and I just love attending the webinars and getting involved in this community which is all over the world. It's a really exciting dynamic association to be part of. So please join us over there and uh, if you are not familiar with the uh, Mindful Dietitian then you can find us on www.themindfuldietitian.com.au which is a place for professionals, uh, particularly dietitians who are interested in the non-diet approach, health at every size, mindful eating and body, anything to do with bodies or body image, cultivating um, body contentment and body peace. So thank you so much for being here for these two very, very special interviews. It's been my pleasure to bring them to you. Hello. 
Hello and welcome back to the next interview in celebration of Mindful Eating Day 2018. It is my pleasure today to be speaking with the wonderful Lynn Torstensen, who is a Swede living in Ireland. Uh, so you will hear an interesting mix of accents, which I find quite charming personally. Um, and Lynn brings with her um, a huge depth of wisdom when it comes to mindful eating. So I'm so excited to be speaking with you today, Lynn. Thanks, Fiona. Thanks for having me. And it's really exciting to be part of the Mindful Eating celebrations again. And actually, that's how I first came across you about two years ago. So, you know, it's, it's great to, I, I find it so amazing how we can connect like this across the globe with like-minded people. So it's good to be here. I know, isn't it amazing? Like the uh, the power of uh, Facebook and social media and, and the internet really has enabled us as a community to come together. And you're absolutely right. So for those of you who are not aware, two years ago uh, in January 2018 was our very first Mindful Eating Day hosted by the Centre for Mindful Eating. And that was the first place that Lynn and I came across each other. And it sounds as if I'm... Um, I'm creating some kind of a big romantic story here, Lynn. <laughs> Our eyes first met over the internet via <laughs> mindful eating, and it's been a great love. Um, uh, and we, but we do share a great love of mindful eating. And uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so it's been wonderful to work together, particularly um, on our Facebook page. And, uh, and Lynn has a, a wonderful business um, based around nutrition therapy, which she'll, she can tell us all about. And, um, and Lynn, I guess, first of all, just to get us started, I'm wondering if you might be able to tell us a little bit about how you, you know, your, your adventures, I suppose, um, to where you are today in, in your mindful eating work and life. Yeah, I can do some of that. Um... I suppose I can't really speak about it without, you know, touching on my personal story. And so I, I come from a, a disordered eating background, uh, probably for about a decade, started like maybe so many people with body image issues in my mid-teens that sort of put me on the first diet and lost weight. And then sort of that really set me up for a poor relationship with food for probably 10 years. And I, I was emotional eating and binging and starving and, and all of those kind of things. But it wasn't about actually in 2006, so it's over a decade ago. And I had read all the diet books and I'd done a different like GI diet, GL diet, and I don't know, low fat and all these kind of things that were going around at that particular time. But anyway, I was actually living in Australia at the time, not so far from where you are, Fiona, and um, well, in terms um I was living outside Sydney I was working at a stud farm and I had been I'd been working on my relationship with food because I'd got to a point where it was actually really sort of out of control that's how I felt anyway so I I started by just creating awareness for myself and at this point I hadn't really come across any any books on mindful eating or a non-diet approach or intuitive eating and uh, so I spent a whole year actually doing a food diary, just writing down what I was eating without judging myself, which is maybe, mm. I don't know, it just came from inside. And then eventually I got to a point, I was probably at my heaviest ever, where I said, no more scales. This thing cannot dictate how I'm going to feel about myself, my happiness. It has to come from inside. And as you know, Fiona, that's such a big 
step in helping somebody re, um, heal their relationship with food to get off the scales and not being like held hostage by these numbers mm. and that really uh, and actually I made a, a rule or uh, I don't know yeah maybe a rule at the time to just starting to listen to my body and eat when I was hungry and stuff when I was full and to allow myself to have whatever food I wanted within that framework so that was kind of the start of of my own um healing journey with my relationship with food and eating and then from there I didn't really know when I first came in I mean I read and that was more actually from a practitioner point of background I read Janine Roth's books and I came across the intuitive eating book probably some five years ago and it was really like oh my god this is it this totally makes sense I'm like this is what I've been doing but I didn't know it and Finally, here's people who've written the book about it and, you know, there's research done about it. And then from there, I suppose I, I just, I, I don't really know where I first came in touch with like mindful eating and the concept of bringing like mindfulness as an approach into the eating experience, because that's a little bit different to intuitive eating, I think. Would you agree with that, Fiona? Yeah, I would agree with that. And it, it actually brings us to a really nice thing maybe to dive into if you don't mind is you know what are the what are the more common differences between intuitive eating and mindful eating and um if it's okay lynn I'm, i'll share my thoughts with you and then i would love your thoughts does that sound okay mm-hmm. yeah perfect yeah yeah so intuitive eating as many people will be aware really is um the way i understand it is a framework, a set of principles that were really founded and developed by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, which are really based around um, the idea of developing inner wisdom um, and developing guidelines and a framework for taking care of yourself with nutrition, movement and compassionate self-care. And what I really like about intuitive eating is the fact that it is a framework. I don't know whether they would regard it as a model so much, but it's 12 principles really point, uh, really give us really a great, um, great set of points to come back to when we're thinking or when we're considering, you know, stepping away from rules and um, the food police and, um, and all the troublesome uh, factors that that keep us stuck, you know, that keep us stuck in numbers and um, in, in diet head, as I call it, um, and and uh, and give us guidelines as to how we can, um, you know, gradually become free from that. And in becoming free, we then, you know, can reconnect with. Um, you know our own our own inner wisdom and find those guidelines for ourselves and understand when when is okay to say yes and when is okay to say no and to develop it, develop that um, compassionate inner voice. So whereas um, and mindful eating is certainly part of those principles, but it's only one part. Whereas I suppose my thoughts about mindful eating are vast. <laughs> But really, uh, for me, mindful eating really has its background more in traditional mindfulness practice applied to food and eating. 
So, you know, coming back to our very core mindfulness principles in terms of present moment awareness, in terms of non-judgment, um, in terms of um, using our senses and all the, you know, myriad of um, beautiful teachings that we understand um, from, you know, traditional mindfulness principles. So I suppose I see them as different and they're a nice fit. Really, I, I, I see them as, as you don't have to choose one or the other, I don't think. It's more that intuitive eating as a set of principles offers us a framework, whereas mindful eating offers us, um, I don't know, for me, it's not as much of a framework as it is a guidance for how to be um, in mm. not in everyday life, as well as with food. I, I know for me, I started off, you know, with a mindful with mindfulness through the lens of eating behaviour, and now, mm. you know, through my yoga, through my yoga teacher training and ongoing kind of inquiry, I've really discovered a whole new level of mindfulness that I, you know, that is never ending in terms of learning and development. <coughs> That was a very long <laughs> explanation, but I'm curious to know what, what you think, because um, I think it's great when we can bring our own thoughts and opinions to the table and, um, and to understand perspectives. So, I mean, yeah, I'm curious to know what you think. Yeah. I think you're so right, Fiona. I think you didn't leave left much left for me to say, but um, <laughs> awesome. I, <laughs> I, I would, yeah, I would agree with you a lot. And I think I find that, um, mindful eating um to to hold those qualities of mindfulness um to bring those say, to the intuitive eating framework is really helpful i think because it seems to from observation that a lot of people because it's a framework and it's a you know there's 10 principles and if people sometimes get stuck on those and you know turn them into rigid rules mm -hmm. with mindfulness and practicing um, mindfulness and actually one thing I learned this year when I did the MB, MBE certification um, and because it's so heavily like um, influenced on mindfulness and mindfulness meditation that you can I, I really brought it home to me um, how important that sort of piece of the meditation aspect is to cultivate that awareness and that sort of space between reactivity and deciding how you want to respond so i i think that and that's where it's different because that's where and also then that within mindful eating we hold what you just said those kind of concepts of kindness and curiosity and non-judgmental so like we can and when we when we bring meditation to it um we can learn to, to sort of become aware of when we're judging ourselves or, you know, when we need to bring compassion to the situation. So we, we kind of bring those skills in to, like you said, our lives, but also to our eating experience. And um, I've done a couple of silent Vipassana retreats and that has definitely been helpful for my own integration and understanding of mindfulness. And also I suppose it really helped with my meditation. But I think for me, that's, like the core, say, how we relate to food and the hunger and fullness, and no, that's very similar. But it just gives, um, mindful eating gives more of that sort of, um, it's like, I don't know, sometimes I call it like an attitude. I don't know if, yeah. if the other yep. senior people are going to agree, but it's like, it's an approach, but it's an attitude to life. It's how we 
it's how we um it's how we approach things then and it becomes a way of of you know of being and an and, and constant unfolding way of being i think because it's something i think i've heard you say it, that it's like it's a practice you know mindful eating is a practice it's something we do and it's the same with mindfulness meditation it's a practice it's something it's a skill but it's also something that we and i think nigrit said it beautifully it's um um it's something that we do that has a benefit of itself like it's yeah. it's beneficial for our lives but it's also of benefit as we do it in the moment so yeah, yeah that i think that's kind of that's how i see it and and uh, mindful eating sometimes you know it brings um there's a spiritual spiritual aspect to it too that you know even regardless i think of our our own spirituality or religion we can sort of i think it's it can bring an openness to how we approach things and how we see things i think mm-hmm. that is very worthwhile cultivating yeah absolutely and and i think i love that that way of thinking about it too because we can then honor um if we have a faith-based um practice ourselves um that that is not exclusive when it comes to uh, mindfulness or mindfulness-based practice, that we are able to integrate that into um, into our understanding of how we are in the world and how we are with food and eating and with others. Um, so I think that the spiritual aspect, is, I mean, it's something definitely I'm still exploring um, and uh, I'm still developing an understanding particularly when it comes to uh insight oriented learning for the people i work with that that have uh faiths of different um you know of different religious backgrounds which i think is is really helpful you know it's not exclusive to one particular religion or one particular um way of thinking at all yeah absolutely and then I was curious, Fiona, I was going to ask you, because when I say to my colleagues or friends and, you know, that I'm using a mindful eating approach in my work, they, everybody seemed to think it's just about slowing down and eating the food slower. Oh, and yeah. you're like, well, it's a li- little bit more to it than that. That's why we do <laughs> months of training and, you know, and, and I think, um, I mean, of course, that's part of it and the sensory um, experience is part of it, but this kind of, this place of kindness and curiosity I think for me is probably some of the most and the non-judgmental attitude of course are like we need to bring that to everything um but food in particular and even in maybe even more so in just today's um society where even nutritional information has become totally overloaded and explosive and it's like one minute this person says this is good for you and next minute this source is the same food is not bad for you. And where does it sit? And where, where does my preferences and where does my need fit in all of this? And then, you know, the black and white thinking perpetuates internal shame. And that's where I find, you know, being curious and approaching things with, oh, I wonder how this is going to make me feel or trying new foods and trying new ways of cooking or new taste and just being curious and then well, I didn't like it or I did like it and either way, it's fine. You know, it doesn't matter. So, uh, and being kind to ourselves because I often see, and I think that the the kindness part, I feel is also really important to bring, say, to the intuitive eating. Of course, it is part of it, but sometimes not maybe mentioned as as obvious. 
Because mm-hmm. people get stuck in, oh, I, I ate past fullness or, you know, I went, I got too hungry and I overate or I didn't eat enough or, and then they feel bad about that. And you're like, well, that's okay. You just learn something new. Just be kind to yourself. Just be kind to yourself. You know, it's so, it sounds so counterproductive, but it's so true. I think, I think the fa- it's the fast track to change, to be kind to ourselves. Yeah, it's curious, isn't it, how, um, you know, kindness and, and self-compassion are really at the, at the core of taking care of ourselves in a very authentic, real way, given the, you know, the myriad of pressures that we're all under, um, you know, in our, in our daily lives, and, ha- and how when people have really struggled with their relationship with food, eating, and, and their body, how how counterintuitive that is you know i often hear people say but if i am kind to myself and if i am self-compassionate then i'm letting myself off the hook and i'll just eat all the food i won't care um and as you and i are aware lynn actually the opposite is true you have a deeper sense of what it takes um and how it feels to really care about yourself as well as those around you. So you don't become, you know, self-absorbed and narcissistic, but it's more that sense of what I love about mindfulness is I love the word equanimity (laughs) and it allows Mm. us to bring that sense of equanimity into uh, self-care and into the way we relate to others. And what I love about what you spoke about earlier is the beautiful aspects of um, meditation-based mindfulness that can actually be integrated throughout our lives, that it's not just about sitting cross-legged in lotus position for hours upon hours at a time. Although if you are doing a Vipassana retreat, <laughs> then that's exactly what you will be doing. <laughs> that's exactly what you'll be doing. And it can be really challenging, oh, yeah. <laughs> boring even, <laughs> which is a challenging thing in itself. But yeah, and actually there was something I picked up from you, what you said, where people said, oh, I would eat everything and I won't care. But that's just where you lost it because of, because if you don't care, then you're not caring for yourself, are you? Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and I think that's the, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I, I was actually joking with my, one of my clients the other day, but it's like the lack of self-care seems to be an epidemic, you know? Like every client I see, this is like a huge struggle. And I don't find that, you know, that they need to be harder on themselves because they're pretty hard on themselves already. So it doesn't seem to be, you know, that we need more of that. And that's sort of the, the whip that needs to come out. It's more about being kind to ourselves. It's like, is this, is this being kind to myself? And is eating this type of food you know serving me the best purpose and that could be any food at any you know like sometimes it's chocolate cake and that serves the purpose of being kind to ourselves sometimes it's a beautiful colorful salad and that serves the purpose of being kind to ourselves so it's like it is and i think it's that within that space of mindfulness cultivates that um flexibility to understand and i think that's where the spiritual context of mindfulness comes in and we bring it to the table and to our eating experience is that that space for sort of flexibility that things aren't static it's not either this way or that way it it can change and it it's okay and that what we're learning when we're working or we, when we're being more mindful in our lives is that we're learning to 
work with that sort of flow of life. That's how I see it anyway. Mm-hmm. When, how I take it into my own life is just learning that life is always shifting and how can we develop, I think I heard you actually say this, the word resilience. Mm-hmm. And we can be preventative, but sometimes things happen anyway. And when we learn to live with more sort of resilience, we have more resources to draw from when we need them rather than wasting them on, on things that maybe doesn't really matter. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. I think what a lot of people um, struggle with in my, uh, you know, in my observation is a sense of, you know, becoming overattached to certain ideas around food or becoming very avoidant around other ideas or wanting things to be just so, so that um, when things aren't just so, as they are not for most of life, um, that we become I guess I'm um, intolerant maybe of, of thing of the, I love the way that you said the flow, the comings and goings of the pleasant and the unpleasant and everything in between, given that it's not a black and white, um, you know, scenario. Things are very rarely 100% pleasant or happy or joyful, nor are they um, often 100% um you know, um, sad or, or anything or, or a difficult or distressing um, type of experience. Um, uh, you know, much like the weather, things come and go very, uh, very much so. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when we look at that within our eating experience, it's like, you know, sometimes maybe we're in a situation and there is, we're hungry and there's nothing there that's particular would want mm. to eat. But it's okay anyway. So what's, what is the bottom need? I need to honor my hunger. So I maybe eat something. But when you can hold it in that space then of non-judgment and maybe curiosity, and it's just easier to, you just carry on with the next meal or, you know, like it doesn't, you're not, you don't get stuck in this sort of cycle of judgment and now I have to punish myself because I had something that I shouldn't and and all of those thoughts that there is less of that there is or hopefully none of that eventually and that just gives that space for flexibility that it's like you know like it's not the big deal yes it's not a big deal if I have I don't know something that's maybe not the most nutritious thing on the planet because it's there and because that's the best I can do in the, at this time. Next time I do something different, I do something better or, you know, that's going to make me feel, serve me better or give me more energy, whatever it is. I think because that just helps um, so we don't get stuck in, in these kind of rigid patterns. And I think even sometimes, you know, stress is a big influence on even our, our physiology or like even your mm. digestive system. So I feel, sometimes I think... If we're very stressed about the food that we're eating, the stress on that itself is like sort of probably negating the fact that, you know, maybe the food isn't the most nutritious thing. Like if we eat it with pleasure and Mm -hmm. in a relaxed manner, it's probably fine. You know, I think it's going to kill us, you know. So I I am just, I'm I'm totally tired. I'm like over all these labels and stuff. I'm going to come out here. So it's like, you know flexibility and creativity and, and just food is should be tasty and fun and enjoyable you know yeah uh, yeah definitely and it's interesting when you were talking uh, something interesting bubbled up for me and that is the question of what am i what am i digesting here 
because when you were talking about um, stress, I'm thinking, wow, that, I mean, we, we know, um, I mean, science tells us that stress has a, um, a you know, a huge effect on, on our physiology, as you, as you said, on our, on our biochemistry, um, uh, and definitely on our, on our um, neurobiology, our, our brain wiring, in other words. Um, and it's interesting that when we're digesting rules and we're digesting um, rigidity and we're digesting all these mixed and confusing messages, that that doesn't necessarily promote balance or a sense of clarity about what meets our needs. Um, but being able to um, being able to get a sense of distance and noticing when we're becoming distracted, I guess, you know, or or when we we are turning turning away from our wisdom and wanting maybe some certainty um, or wanting for things to be. Um, the way that we think they should be in order to fit, maybe fit in or be more acceptable or, um, you know, find ourselves um, doubling down on, on certain dietary efforts, um, which can often be, uh, you know, one of the byproducts of this um, wonderful culture that we live in um, called diet culture. Um, so I'm curious to know, Lynn, you know, if you, if you, with any clients that you have that are, that, are, that are kind of starting off on their intuitive eating or mindful eating journey, and if you're noticing that they're being really hard on themselves, I know one of your real strong points is compassionate self-care, and you speak about it so beautifully. I'm wondering how you get people started on that. Oh, that's a good question. This <clears throat> um, is, I, you know, I... I, I try to follow um, my clients' leads when I, when I work with them. But it's, I think it's, you know, the first thing um, is to, to help, like, people notice things. You know, to, if you become aware, and I think this is where mindfulness is so, so beautiful, and sometimes um, we can do it in the most simple, the simplest manner, which is just to notice things. So if, they can, if we can just create that space for noticing when we are hard on ourselves or when we are having judgmental thoughts or, you know, we get stuck in those is that we are kind of like present with what's, what, what the voice in our head is constantly chatting about. I think that's the first step because then we can bring that sort of, Oh, I noticed that I'm, you know, I'm telling myself these things and then we can bring kindness to that to yeah. that um that voice you know or that sort of judgment but i i mean if we're if we're not aware of what we're thinking that becomes really difficult and just a personal side story like when i went on my first um silent retreat a couple of years ago and i really didn't have much meditation experience but i've had a really busy time in my life and i was feeling that i was heading quite quickly for a sort of sort of a burnout so I said I just need to remove myself from all of this and um, anyway I'd heard about you know Vipassana it sounded like a good thing to do and all my friends were like and what are you going to do you love talking how are you going to be able to be silent for like five days and all this and people say oh, I couldn't do that and oh whatever so I went and it was it was very challenging but it was the first time that I noticed how, because there was no other distractions, you know, no phones, no TV, no books, no music, nothing. 
that um, I noticed how the chatter in my head was so incredibly loud. There was like no end to it. There was no silence mm. in my head whatsoever. And but because you were because you had enough time, there was it was able to actually get over that sort of hump or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. and create that bit of a gap that bit of a space which so I could now start observing my thoughts and not mm -hmm. being completely hijacked by them and just the experience of that it's not always like that but just in having experience that there was a possibility of not completely being inside my thoughts and, and being able to just like remove myself and observe them at certain points that has been so incredibly helpful to kind of then go on, oh, here comes like a, a judgment of my body. Isn't that interesting? You know, yeah. even after 10 years, isn't that interesting? Here we go oh, again. Oh, hello. I'm feeling fat. Oh, hello, interesting. Friend. Oh, I, <laughs> I see you. You know? You. Yep. You're back. Hello. Um, that is so, and for me, I think that is um, like, even when we do, and I started doing some guided, um, after working with, um, Andrea Lieberstein earlier this year and uh, with the MBE, I started bringing meditations into some of my clients in our sessions that are open to it. And that's been really wonderful to give them that sort of flavor of or taste of what it's like to kind of just bring everything down and be in sort of in tune with your body. And then from there, then bring it back out and sort of, okay, let's pause and before you eat and, you know, check in and just kind of, you know, connect into their own body senses. Yeah. So, yeah, I find that has been, um, that has been really useful to being able to, to bring the meditation aspect of mindfulness to it and then use that to help people. So it's become more of a, um, a practical application than sort of talking about it. You know, this is how you could be doing it and this is probably how you might experience it. But here is a way of letting people experiencing it on the spot for themselves. And that has been so powerful for me as a practitioner. Oh, yeah. And that's one. And what a wonderful gift that you can share with your clients that you're, they're able to um, feel so supported in a space and be guided through, through a practice that they may not necessarily be able to access themselves in a way that is very personal and that they can get in the spot. You know, you can, you can talk about it on the spot and, um, yeah. you know, just reflecting and reviewing and wow, your clients are very, very lucky, Lynn. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. No, I really, I really love my job. I, I love working with people in this way. It's been, it's very rewarding actually when people see things for themselves, you know, when they come back and say, Oh, I noticed. And I don't want it to be, because it doesn't feel like self-care to me that is so rewarding when somebody you know says because that's kind of coming back to what we were talking about it's like that's being kind to yourself something wrong with that but if that doesn't fulfill you or if that doesn't satisfy you, or doesn't feel like self-care feeding yourself that type of food well then it's great because now they've they have intrinsic motivation and I didn't tell them what to do so that's yeah. nice for me <laughs> 
Oh, it's, it's always so, so nice where, when you get to not tell people what to do. Oh, it, I think it's brilliant. Oh, oh, my gosh, I love it so much. I remember in the, in the early days of being a dietitian just feeling so I, – I mean, now I look back and I know it was a very embodied experience for me, which I didn't understand at the time. I didn't have words for it or didn't have really a mature understanding of it. Um, uh, but I know that I, I used to feel sick and tight in the chest and, uh, and then turn that in on myself, you know, that, that I wasn't doing a good enough job. And oh, so looking back now, I just think to myself, if I was to speak to myself, I would say, Fiona, you need a really good supervisor and you need to start yoga and you really seriously need to start meditation. <laughs> That's what I'd go back and tell my 20 two-year-old self or whatever oh my god anyway. I, yeah well, life is a learning experience and I think we we learn so much and I um and I think you know it's important to do our own personal work as well when we work with other people I think um this is I, I think Pema Shudron has a really good quote where she said something like we do the work on ourselves in order to sort of be better um you know to be able to help other people better or something along those lines mm. Yeah. Um, you know, because I find from my, having done my own personal work in certain areas of my life, it's it's just given me a better um, way of being more, have more empathy with, with my clients and when they experience certain things um, for themselves. It's like, oh yeah, I know exactly what that feels like, whether you want to share that or not. But you you know, you can, um, you can be more empathic because you understand where they're kind of, you know, where their experience might be coming from. And they teach you things all the time, you know. Mm. And sometimes when people share experience that they've had that I might never have had, but it just you learn from that too. And yeah, it it feels it feels good to to be able to to do this kind of do this kind of work. And I think mindful eating offers us that sort of space of not having to tell people what they should or shouldn't do, but to let them figure out what from the the information that they have or that they acquire which which part of that works for them yeah yeah exactly exactly so we're the very very fortunate facilitators of um of somebody's precious life journey really in lots of ways yeah it's a real honor actually to be able to to be part of that it really, it really, really is. Yeah. Um, so, Lynn, one thing that I know that you are really passionate about is um, your new project. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about your new project, which is, you know, getting oh. um, getting so much more involved with, with food and, um, yeah. and cooking? I know. Maybe I should mention this. Um, it's, it's in the pipeline. I had no idea actually when it's really going to be ready, but I'm working on a little... So um, I would say it's a recipe book. It's going to be about, it's, it's, but it's based around smoothies because I have one of my mentors. She's always says how we eat is how we live and how we live is how we eat. And I think smoothies are like, um, because I'm a foodie. So anybody who's with, visited my website knows that I, I like to play with food and color and photograph the, the food as well. And I do a lot of, as I'm doing some food photography and just, you know, doing kind of close-up shots of vegetables and things because I just think they're so beautiful. Um, so that's another aspect that I maybe bring mindfulness to and it's just to admire the produce, you know. Um, 
both and the color and, and the texture and all of that kind of stuff. But anyway, this this book will be kind of a a fusion of creative smoothie recipes with a flavor of mindful eating and color, I suppose. So that's that's the that's the idea anyway. That's and the plan. The, yeah, that's the plan. And the reason I went for kind of smoothies could be salads or something, but what I wanted what I'm hoping that this, this would eventually achieve is to give people that sort of um, inlet, like sort of, oh, I don't know how to describe, but that sort of um, way in to become more sort of curious, curious, curious and creative in how they approach food or cooking. And smoothies mm-hmm. are easy because they're so, they don't really take any cooking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, they, you know, the the combinations you can make are like endless. So it's just actually to help people get from food, become more creative in their lives and kind of coming back to what I spoke about earlier about, you know, learning to be more flexible in our lives so that we can navigate the the rough waters a bit better. And I was just thinking, you know, I might just use, because I'm a foodie, so I'm using food as the, the sort of creative aspect um, in and maybe just open a a door of, of thinking a little bit different that would be my kind of core aim um yeah. so we'll see how it goes i'm 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 sort of maybe a third of the way into it so hopefully 2018 now it's going to materialize into something physical that you can hold in your hand if that's the that's my plan anyway. Oh, well, please let us know because <laughs> it sounds really exciting. And while you were talking, I was thinking how interesting it is, um, the different paths that people come to mindful eating. So some people may come through the door of mindfulness-based practice or meditation. Other people may come to it from more a foodie perspective or recipes or um, you know, more nutrition. Um, and other people, again, might come to it through their own personal experience of of uh, perhaps experiencing an eating disorder or chronic dieting or poor body image. So um, I love the fact that you're providing this amazing resource where people can just start to explore um, being, you know, a, a different way to be creative and and ultimately more present with their experience, with, which is, of course, at the very core of mindfulness, mindfulness and mindful eating. Yeah, yeah. And, then, you know, coming back to self-care and and the whole theme of of this year's mindful eating celebration um so yeah we hopefully it's going to material into something useful for people um but yeah and there i'm going to put a couple of eating types of eating meditations there and sort of smoothie drinking in meditation because um it's um it's so useful as well to use you know those as like you know whether we drinking a cup of tea or eating a a snack or something Mm -hmm. to use that as our you know space for like a a life pause or you know if you don't have time to sit and meditate in a cushion for half an hour or whatever it can be useful to bring that to when you're drinking your cup of tea or um oh your smoothie or a smoothie yeah of course um (laughs) I, you know, because I think, and we've done that on like some retreats um, I've had here locally, just to help people to how do we take that experience into our everyday lives, you know, mm-hmm. um, and we can be mindful and that sort of cultivate that sort of very pure present awareness, whatever we're 
washing the dishes or walking the dog or, you know, drinking tea or a smoothie or eating something. And it doesn't have to be big and long and, and challenging. It can be, you know, just like if you're watching the sunset or a sunrise or, or birds flying, like it can be something very simple, very pure to just, but just be there and focus on that one thing. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's one of the, I don't know whether the correct word is ironic or oxymoron. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure either of those are the correct word actually, but that's the interesting thing about mindful, mindfulness and mindful eating is that actually it seems so simplistic, but there is a lot of complexity to it. Um, and so it's not as, as, you know, circling back around to what we were talking about right at the start, it's not just about tasting your food or slowing down which as you said and I completely agree that's that's people's most common kind of summaries of what mindful eating is and that's true but my goodness there is so much more to it and actually I wonder if you found the same thing the more I practice myself and the more I read and learn and um you know, sink myself into different teachings um the more you think oh my goodness this is like a never-ending this is never ending. <laughs> There's always something yeah. to explore and it's kind of exciting really. I think it is exciting because you become, it, it becomes a way of like living, living your life in that sort of open uh, and open hearted kind of way. And being, I think it, and it takes a lot of courage because when we sort of stop trying to control outcomes and sort of let go and sort of learn to live with with how things are unfolding and sort of adapting and changing maybe going in that direction takes a huge amount of courage and trust and I'm always working on on that I think for myself you know trusting how things are unfolding and not having you know worried thinking it should be different to what it is it comes back I think we didn't speak about this, but acceptance and maybe self-acceptance, I think is also a master um, of this kind of approach. And I think it's, um, I'm beginning to think that self-acceptance is also a real fundamental cornerstone for healing, that we have to be, we have to sort of really see and be honest to where we are in order to be able to change because otherwise we're just like, we're not actually being fully present if we're hoping and pretending that things are different to what they really are. But I think when we can see how things really are, whether that good, bad, or different, it's only from that place that we can then create a different reality. Because otherwise we're not here. So we, but we're, we are still only living in our minds. Yes. And then constantly reaching for something that is not here. Mm, yeah, and we get caught in that trap. And, you know, we miss sometimes the, the, the smallest things then when we're so busy pretending that things are different or, or wishing that they were um, different. And that, that goes back to that, that sort of whole, you know, part of diet culture, I think, uh, which you all speak so beautifully into. It's like that we're caught in this, I will be happy when. But yeah. what about now? And that when if never really comes we never sort of ever arrive where we want to be if we're not willing to be where we actually are 
So it's just kind of a paradox, but I think we just, we get so, and we're being sold this illusion in so many ways through diet culture that, you know, we should be wanting to be different than we, where we are. And we, we need to change who we are to, to become what we want to be. But that sort of, yeah, that's just the illusion of, of something unreachable. And by totally striving for that constantly, we're missing out on actually our lives that are happening here. Mm, just what is. Mm. Yeah. I think when, when we also project, um, project our, maybe our hopes, dreams and wishes, um, you know, onto something that is not in our present, then, then we not only miss out on the present, but we can um, create this reality for ourselves that will never be, you know, so I'll put off X, Y, Z when my body changes or when I have enough money or when, you know, yeah whatever yeah and then it's actually uh it'll like you'll still be the same person so uh, yeah. so how about we you know it, it's possible to do something now if you wish if you wish exactly yeah i think you're so right and i think sometimes it's not until something big happens over something really wake up to the fact that like life is very Pre precious and you know it's always happening now so putting things off and certain things may you know to do whatever small things like to to in our everyday lives makes our lives really small and there's really no need for that I think just because we're not brave enough to live as we are now and things change like it doesn't mean we're not going to stay this way forever even if we think so or even if we don't think so we're not because we're all changing all the time so um that's also an illusion so we're not going to stay the same whether that is trying to hold on to the body we have or wishing it was different it's going to be different one way or the other anyway so this is true. This is called being a human being that ages. <laughs> I, I, as you said it, I was like, oh, but yeah, no, of course. So it's, yeah, I think you're, you're right. Like we just like, what are we waiting for? And I think mindfulness can teach us to be more present with our lives whether and, and to be, to be more, um, accepting that you know sometimes it's good sometimes it's challenging sometimes it's neither or nor you know and all of it is okay yeah all of it is okay yeah um that has been my biggest takeaway my first meditation teacher she said you can do it this way or that way and either way it's fine <laughs> you know oh, I love it, it. it doesn't matter <laughs> and i was like it doesn't matter so you know and it just gave you know that gives so much space for freedom um, it? it can Doesn't be very un yeah it's very unnerving and I think when you then um, you know that's why sometimes mindfulness eat mindful eating is probably challenging for people when they come from a very rigid controlling way of having rules and I need to stick to this because otherwise you know things might fall apart and it's very unnerving not to have these very you know solid structures but there, it, it's not like it's totally, you know, loose, but it, 
it's it's bringing back to it's a constant like I think check in and a reevaluation and say what is, how does this make me feel how am I navigating how am I feeling what do I need and that's kind of where the the framework is it's within it's like what do I need now how you know do I need a break do I need a rest do I need food do I need to you know talk to my friends whatever it is you know like there's a constant the 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 framework is within our own self-reflection whereas other ways we're constantly following outside rules and they may or may not suit and I usually tell people my clients it's like well I can I can provide you with some of this outer knowledge you know here is you know evidences you know this is a good way or we need this and this in our lives to be healthy or so what but you live in your own bodies so you're going to have to figure out what works for you because I, there's no way of me knowing because I live in my own body so you have to you have to f- figure out what is what is going to be of this is going to work for your own because hopefully that's where you hang out you know so oh, I love that that's so, <laughs> that's so beautiful um a, a way that's a it's actually really beautiful and supportive way to um to lead people back to themselves and to say, you know, you know, is there anything else that might help you to understand this particular challenge? You know, how could we find some space to move forward? And the way, of course, that we are with our clients is so important, you know, um, our mindful presence and the way we speak about food and eating and nutrition and um, and then how we help people to bridge bridge the gap and um, and to find their own space space for healing um, through compassionate self-care again coming back to our theme for mindful eating day so um yeah oh lynn i I mean of course i could just i could just talk to you for days and in fact one day we will (laughs) we will do this yeah Yes, oh, yes, and, yes. And, and I'm looking forward to that day. <laughs> absolutely. And, and let's not make it a Vipassana retreat because that means we will not be <laughs> talking, <laughs> which would defeat the purpose, really. But um, it's, it's been hey, such a For sure. Yeah, it's been such a pleasure, Lynn. And thank you so much for, for sharing your wisdom with us today. And, um, and uh, you and I, of course, will be... Um, We'll have lots more in store for people for Mindful Eating Day next year. Is there anything, any uh, little sneaky peeks that you'd like to offer people in advance of what they can expect for Mindful Eating Day? I don't know, but um, I'm really excited to be part of it again um, for for 2018. And uh, I'm also really excited about the theme of compassionate self-care and using mindful eating in this and, and bringing that sort of theme within the mindful eating space because I like I said earlier I feel it's like a lack of self-care seems to be like epidemic epidemic so agree agree yep. you know I feel like it's a, a such a powerful important message so I'm I'm really excited to have a whole month to explore that and, and to share with people so yeah it should be fun yeah if we keep coming back to just that one core message I think we'd be doing a good job I think so too. If even people walk away, even with the notion that it's a good idea to be kind and compassionate towards themselves, then I think we've we've hopefully done planted at least a few seeds that is going to be useful for people's health and well-being. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and as, as something I know we, we are both very passionate about is also um, for the parents amongst um, amongst our community to be able to bring compassionate self-care back into the home and back into the family so that we can um, create a whole new generation of mindful leaders. <laughs> absolutely everybody benefits from that everybody benefits absolutely thank you again lynn so so much and just to uh, finish this off where can people um find you tell us a bit about your website yeah so my website is called straightforwardnutrition.com and i've actually just changed my tagline to mindful eating wholehearted living because i felt that that's really where my work is to to um to where it has evolved to, I suppose. And, you know, I have lots of recipes there. And then I write some <clears throat> life musings in between my recipes um, around, usually around mindful eating and a relationship with food or life and whatever else comes up. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, on straightforwardnutrition.com or on Instagram, which is straightforward underscore nutrition. And I do probably a little bit more personal shares on Instagram. So that's yeah. kind of where I tend to hang out. Fantastic. Yeah. We'll hang out there together. How's that? Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you again so much, Lynn. And uh, we'll be chatting a lot more in advance of Mindful Eating Day. So thank you. Thank you, Fiona.